Welcome aboard, space travelers. Please lower your harness and keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Prepare for blast-off. Welcome to the November episode of uh, Discover DLP. We're your host, Paul. And I'm Nick. Good evening, Nick. Uh, good evening, Paul. Uh, it was quite good, I think, that um, you had a slight... You did that thing that I do often on podcasts, which is got confused as to which one we were actually hosting tonight. Yeah, no, I was... Slight stumble. I was editing earlier. I was editing uh, Biff Palbam earlier. Um, right. And I'm just confused as to where I am. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're at Disneyland Paris tonight. That's where we are. Well, not literally. No, I mean, we unfortunately. We I mean, were, that, but yeah, yeah. Sadly, but, we uh, weren't invited. Well, no, we weren't invited. No. Um, but, but then, to be fair, a lot of people that I know are there right now haven't been as well. And I suppose that the reason for saying that is not because it's just a random night, because it is, but... Um, when we record this show, uh, this weekend, it's been uh, the, the the celebrations for Mickey's 90th birthday, which are happening a day early. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of to coincide with the launch of the Christmas celebrations as well, I think. I think they've kind of combined them. Um, but yeah, Mickey, Mickey is celebrating his birthday a day early in Paris. Have we got any kind of like... I, I know there's there's not really been any kind of reason why they've not said why they're doing it a day early but you know there, there must be some logic here yeah i think i think they're kind of leaving it well they they celebrated it at walt disney world this morning as well right um by having a stage show that featured 90 disney characters in it how the hell they managed to fit all of those on stage at the same time i don't know but yeah they seem to be doing um a lot of work today for it uh, to, to the only thing that's bothering me a little bit about this 90th birthday celebration, and that's that Mickey started the same time... Sorry, yeah, well, Mickey started the same time as Minnie. Yeah, and she's was not going to say the other way around. Yeah, there, there's nothing... You know, at a time when, um, you know, there's a lot of things in the in the press and, and the media uh, and social media uh, about, you know, equality and, you know, recognising women for their yeah. achievement... It does seem a little bit odd to me that Minnie is being completely left out of these celebrations. I know it's it is kind of ridiculous, and, and we were we were laughing about this earlier. That um, we watched uh, the clip from Children in Need last night of EastEnders singing Disney songs. Oh, okay. Um, and it was in celebration of Mickey's ninetieth. They will literally sell this this birthday for anything. Doesn't matter what it is. If you go to them and say, "Oh, we want to celebrate Mickey's 90th birthday," let's let's stick a poster in the middle of Albert Square. It's it's very strange. I've never known. You know, I remember Mickey's 80th birthday, and I don't remember all this kind of um, Ferrari about it no. at the time. 
Um, but like you say, like you cannot move for a company doing something about this. So uh, we got an email the other day. We sign up to the, um, we get like press releases and we got a notification the other day in the Diz After Dark uh, email folder um, telling us about the exciting new Levi's yeah. collaboration for Mickey's 90th birthday. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, clothing companies often do Disney collaborations. So that in itself isn't strange, but it's this emphasis on the 90th birthday. And that's the only reason why it's being done yeah. in a lot of instances. And I just, just find it a little bit odds. Yeah. It's like the, I, I bought the, the Fantasia Mickey fans. Yeah. Um, but they've released another range this week. That yeah, wasn't I saw the original one. Yeah, I got an email about that yesterday. But the because you've got those shoes now, haven't you? Yeah. You got those a couple of months ago. Yeah. But the box itself wasn't Mickey's ninetieth birthday, were they? Yeah. Oh, they were. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the yellow was... and red box. Right, okay. Because that's the other thing as well, is it's not just people necessarily are doing something uh, for Mickey Mouse at the moment, but they're all using the exact same 90th birthday branding. Yep. So, yeah, I just think it's I think it's a bit odd. Yeah. Just in, in, in how much there is. I said, it doesn't feel like I can go anywhere without seeing a product or something shilling this event. It's It's... Yeah, and, I, I mean, I'm dreading just, already the hundredth. Yeah, and it's not even stopping just now. The, the parks are launching things in in December and January. They're way past his birthday. I'm not not quite sure what their their thinking is behind some of this. Well, I mean, in some ways, are we that surprised? I mean, you know, this is a Disneyland Paris podcast, yeah. and this is a park that's very famous for. Um, you know, extending their celebrations for, you know, 18 months after they've happened. So, you know, that isn't too much of a shock. But I was a little bit surprised with with Disneyland Paris in this weekend, uh, as we recall this show, because they're having an annual pass holder night on the 6th of December. Yes. Which is a Thursday, which in itself is a bit strange. Um, But that's recognised, you know, that AP night is... Mickey's 90th birthday. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not the queen. He doesn't get two birthdays. It's a fictional cartoon mouse that we no. all love. But, do you know what I mean? It, it, it's a bit odd. Yeah. Um, to have it that much later. And that's why I was a bit surprised because this, this kind of birthday thing they've been doing Disneyland Paris this weekend, it kind of came a little bit out of the blue. Like, this hasn't yeah. been promoted for very long. No, it really hasn't. So I just, I don't, Oh, but very, the one plus point is that Disneyland Paris have actually started their their proper celebrations for his birthday that are going to be included in the normal day to day running of the park. Um, mm. So they, tonight they've unveiled the the five minute tag to Illuminations, I believe, um, that's to celebrate his birthday, which is is something new. Yeah, it's the start of the the show. So, I mean, again, as we recall this, it hasn't actually happened yet. So, we can't tell you what it is. No one's seen it yet. But, um, yeah, this is going to be going on till January yes. as well, isn't it? Yeah. 
So, yeah, if you go between uh, now, November, uh, and January, early January, I think it runs up to about the 6th. Yeah. Or something. I keep saying the word the number six, but honestly, there's a rhyme and reason for it. Um, but yeah, I think it's while it's Christmas season, so I think they're tagging it on to the the Christmas uh, session for Illuminations. Um, but yeah, so it'd be it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, and I know that they're doing a one. Well, I think it's one off, isn't it? Goof, the Goofy's Christmas party tonight. Yes. After Illuminations. Yeah. So, but they're doing that normally, aren't they? It's just that they're not doing it at night. Yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few different things that they've added. I think there's the the surprise Mickey show as well in the studios, isn't there? Yes. Um, that's, yes. That's all part of it as well. But that's already launched, I believe. I believe that left, launched a couple of days ago. Um, so, yeah. And where, and where is that Mickey show in the studios? That's going on the stage in front of Tower of Terror. Ah. But they've expanded it. Apparently, the stage what? is is bigger. They've they've made oh. it larger than it it has been on previous shows. So after Marvel closed down, um, mm. they they cordoned it off and and have expanded it. It's extended further forward into the courtyard now. Okay, so it's it's come it's come out rather than yeah. got wider. It's yeah. got it's got okay, okay. Um, that's interesting. Um, so oh, it wasn't how he was going to start the show, but it, it's topical, yeah. so it makes sense to. But one thing that we've kind of neglected for the last few shows because of Run Disney and other things that have been going on is that, you know, this podcast is supposed to be about the past, present, and the future of Disney. And we kind of neglected the past for a little bit. And there's one attraction in particular. I mean, there's many attractions we could talk about like this, but. There's one attraction that we both uh, have a strong affinity for. And when we first started talking about doing a show talking about this, it was a bit more topical than it probably is now, yeah, in, a, a, in a way. But it kind of uh, ties in today as well, because um, mm. they've announced uh, Destination D this weekend that um, O Canada is getting a, a revamp. Um, the other show starring... A certain person that's in in the attraction that we're going to talk about, um, Martin Short. Um, not sure whether he's going to survive. Uh, he could be out of all Disney parks. Um, wow! At the rate, he's upset. Yeah, so it is kind of topical <laughs> still. Um, yeah. To have come on today, but yeah, we we mentioned it a couple of times, and it's it's a show that was well meant to be coming back um, as of now um, in Cinema Geek. Um, and it's now been cancelled and isn't coming back. Yeah, it was a it was a very odd announcement. So, yeah, Cinema Chic is, is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, at least at the beginning of the show. And when that originally closed, and that was going to be and, and was the first kind of, uh, I suppose, Marvel attraction in the studios. Yeah, because it was. I mean, there was Spider Man meet and greet but yeah. it's a meet and greet but this was going to be the first uh you know indoor show yeah. that they're doing around uh, around marvel and you know i was in for, i was kind of in two minds when when they made the announcement they were closing cinema down because i saw it 
just after the park opened in uh, 2002. And so it'd been there a long time. And I've said before sometimes that, you know, very often these things can kind of outstay their welcome. But, and, and also I was kind of excited that it was going to be replaced with something Marvel, being a big Marvel fan. Um, but Cinema Geek, I think the reason why I cared for it so much is because, well, a few reasons, but the firstly, first reason is that, um, it was the only, you know, it was only in Disneyland Paris that you could see this show. Yeah. Uh, it never got replicated anywhere. Um, and also like, I just, I thought it was quite original. Yeah. I, I in a like lot of the, ways. the whole thing that it used live actors and screens. I thought that was very unique. The, a lot of them, you were either watching a live show or it was on screens. Um, mm. So it was really that, that combination of uh, of Disney magic, really. And it was it was one of the first shows I remember seeing. I went, obviously, I went to Walt Disney World first. Um, but it was one of those first attractions that really ever kind of grabbed me when I got to Disneyland Paris. In fact, both of the shows that were that were in the courtyard at, at Disneyland Paris at the studios were were both very unique in in that way and, and really grabbed my attention. So to having lost Animagic first, um, and then a year later to to see Cinemagic going as well, it was it was quite heartbreaking. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, what was quite nice, I think, is both of those attractions, the the, the theatres were kind of, the, the names were kept yeah. for them, which I think was a nice touch, a nice homage to those previous attractions. But it was very strange, uh, and it was around about September, wasn't it, yeah. that they announced that, because like Mickey the Magician, which was the show that replaced uh, Animagique, which we'll probably talk about in another show in more detail, um, that's that's a seasonal affair. So that kind of runs from about March, April time through to uh, September, basically the busiest period. Yeah. Um, and, and Marvel, they were kind of suggesting it was going to be the same, uh, which it was. And so that theatre was going to be closed down for the winter, uh, reopening up with the start again of, of Marvel season at the studios. Um, and they put this announcement out um, that they were going to put back temporarily Cinemagique, almost as as if um, that was going to be what would happen in, in the down seasons. But they also mentioned in that statement that it was going to be a slightly revised version. Yeah. Because of what they'd done to the theatre, they'd, they'd basically gutted the whole theatre Mm. Um, and and what we'd seen in there before for Cinemagic didn't exist anymore. Yeah, and I'd imagine similar to because they made a similar statement about Mickey the Magician. Uh, sorry, I said this. I did this the last time as well. Cinemagic, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which when they made the announcement that uh, that was coming to Disneyland Paris, they also said it would be an exclusive version that was slightly different to the other versions found around the world yeah which basically meant cost cutting wasn't fit for purpose in the place they were putting it in didn't have all the effects and so when they made the same statement for cinemagique i thought well they've replaced everything you know that that 
theatre now is not designed for what was there before, which probably means they're going to change some of the elements. And my gut reaction were the start and the end. Because they're the two bits that really, um, really do that. So I think for, you know, I imagine a lot of people that listen to this podcast will have been able to have experienced Cinema Geek at some point. Um, But we have a lot of people that, um, you know, haven't been to Disneyland Paris yet or, you know, may not have been able to go there when it, it was open. So I thought we should talk a little bit about the attraction and, and what made it to us uh, so important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I think we've, we've chatted about it between, between the two of us. So, yeah, it was, it was open for, for 15 years, more or less exactly. It, was, it closed about 13 days after its 15th birthday. Um, so yeah, basically what it was, it was, it starts off and it's, it's kind of, you don't realize it's starting. I always thought that was really clever is that you think something's happening in the audience, someone's messed up. So if a phone starts ringing and you're like, oh, even before that, yeah, the the way the show starts off is with a montage of film clips. So what you think and also, like, as you're going into the theatre, um, there was uh, posters for lots of classic films yeah. like uh, Gone with the Wind, yeah. Casablanca, uh, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. And so, as you... That last one may not have been true. But as you're kind of queuing up, and especially, like, if you think back to, you know, your first time experiencing it, and certainly my first time, the park had only been open um, for a few months the first time I went. Yeah. So I had literally no idea what I was going into but I saw the marquee you saw it's you know cinema which is you know magic of cinema or you know how you want to translate it and you see a load of classic posters so you think you're going to be going in to see a show which is you know probably looking at the history of film yeah that's how I kind of that's what I thought I was going to see and so when it the lights finally go down and the curtains kind of draw back, what you're left with at the start is a montage of uh, clips from films from the silent film era. Yeah. So basically what you'd kind of expect from the great movie ride. Yeah. Something similar to that as you're going through the queue, rather than the start bit, obviously, once you get on the ride. But kind of the queue area for um, the great movie ride is, is kind of what you get at the start. Yeah, that's that's actually a very good way of putting it. I mean, it's a very good way of putting it for people that have been to Disney yeah. World and the Great Movie Ride, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not necessarily for everyone. But absolutely, if you if you've done both attractions, or even if you've only done the Great Movie Ride, that gives you quite a good frame of reference as to what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um, I'll let you off. So yeah, as as I was saying, it kind of starts off once that that montage is done, that you think, oh, someone's left their phone on in the audience. And then all of a sudden, someone jumps up um, and starts having a conversation in the middle of the the auditorium, which I always thought was really clever. It It was really well disguised and not what you were expecting. And then it kind of goes into the story from that. Um, so, it, as I said, it stars Martin Short. Martin Short being the the lead but he's not he's not the only hollywood actor in there um he's ably assisted by julie delpy 
Um, obviously a very famous French actress, so she was I'm sure that went down really well. Um, and not only those two, but Alan Cumming yeah. also makes an appearance later on in the film. Um, well, actually, no, he, he's he's there at the I start, although is. I didn't realise... Um, Funny enough, like it was only at the end of the film that I realised it was actually him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, both. Well, the three of them are really the the key components to this because, as you say, somebody gets up from their seat and starts talking on a mobile phone, um, and and even though it's Martin Short doing that, I didn't really. And the fact that you're in Disneyland Paris. And somebody with an American Canadian accent yeah. is standing there talking quite loudly on their mobile phone. Even that didn't seem that odd to me no. at the, the first time I watched it. Um, and what happens is, so there's this montage of, of actual uh, silent film clips. And then one of the clips prolongs its stay a little bit. And that's the one which is actually a fake film. Yeah. Uh, but you don't necessarily, we don't realise that at the time. Because, uh, but that's where you, you get um, Judy Delphi and uh, Alan Cummings coming into uh, the story. Yeah. And so um, she's like a, a damsel in distress. Yeah. And he is like some kind of wizard or magician. So he's, you know, got the robes on, got this beard. Um, and what he does, because they basically stop acting because of hearing this person. So the rest of the film clips just play out as normal, but this film clip starts off as a film clip. And then the actors kind of stop to look at this person that's talking and being very annoying. Um, and then this wizard character, um, actually, you know, kind of like waves his hand and then you get an explosion and suddenly the person who was there on the mobile phone is gone. And then Martin Schultz appears in the film. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really clever. So, so yeah, the character that we've had in the auditorium with us is portraying Martin Short and is then transformed into being on cellular film. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the whole storyline. And it's just really, really clever how they, they kind of tie it in. And then, then it slowly goes through him chasing Julie Delpy's character through different film stories. Yeah. Um, ones that we know. Um, I'm just looking at the list. I'm not going to, not going to go through all of them, but there's some, there's some great films in there. Um, including Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is in there. Um, yeah. Playing crazies in there. The, the, the early shorts, um, angels with dirty faces, some like it hot, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Um, Tombstone, few cowboys uh, in there, and then it, it kind of goes, starts to go through some later films as well. Um, the Hunt for Red October's in there. Um, what else have we got? Titanic was in there. Yeah, Fish Called Wonder. Yeah. Uh, the Exorcist. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. You forgot, uh, and I can't believe you didn't say this one, Mary Poppins. Yeah, I know. I was trying to avoid saying the obvious. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, it's a lot of films that that you know. And even if you don't, even maybe not seen those films, they're famous enough that you would, you know, at least recognise what 
you know, where it's come from. Um, and in all of these bits there, you know, Martin Shaw and at times or Judy Delphi are interjected into these scenes. So it's not just showing you clips. They've inserted these, um, actors into the existing films and it's seamless. Like you, you know, they do it so well. It's been so well thought out and planned and edited that you honestly believe they've refilmed some of this yeah, footage yeah, because really it, it just works. Yeah. No, I, I love how, how clever it is that they, they've managed to do that. And, and that's really why I have such a love for it because it is just so clever. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me being, uh, you know, a bit of a cinephile, that is the right expression, a cinephile. Um, and someone loves films as much as I do, that seeing, watching something like that where it goes through all these different types of films and all these genres of film, um, I just think it's just, just, just fascinating. I love, you know, watching, you are watching like the history of Hollywood kind of unfolding in front of you. And, you know, as a as a massive cinema fan, I, I just find that fascinating. I love it, and it gets me a bit emotional. And I just, you know, it's just something magical about it. And for me, I, you know, the show is funny, a bit touching, um, and emotional. But you know, for those reasons, I said like you know, seeing clips from films like like Mary Poppins, like a lot of people have a connection with Mary Poppins. You know, it might have been their favourite film as a child, or it might have been saying that the family all watched at Christmas, or, you know. But these films, because they're so well-known, they normally bring out a kind of emotion yeah. of some kind. So it's all of these things, and just the way it's tied together, and the way it's interjected. Um, and going back to the special effects of the film as well. So um, the end um, part of the film... Uh, of of their journey uh, involves another uh, famous actor, although not maybe as Hollywood well known as the others, but yeah. uh, Chechi Cairo. Yeah, which I can never pronounce properly. So if he's listening, I apologise, but I'm sure he'll let me off. Um, but if you've seen, uh, uh, what was he in? The Missing. Yeah, uh, the most recent thing he was in was The Missing, um, and he's excellent in that as well. Um, but he's one of those actors you see pop up in quite a few mainly European films. Um, but he plays a knight in this, uh, another film within a film. And to get them, or to get the character George back, who's played by Martin Short, um, he throws his sword at the screen and it comes flying towards the screen and ends up in the auditorium. Yeah. And it sliced the screen, uh, sliced the bottom of the screen, almost like a curtain for him to kind of come back to. And so, you know, Martin Short walks towards the screen into the cinema. Now, of course, the cinema's almost pitch black at this point. So somebody's there in front of you, but you can't see that it's not actually Martin Short. So it's disappointing one. He didn't live there for 15 years doing this eight times a day or whatever. No, he just swapped um, with Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> and Chevy Chase on occasion. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so, and, you know, that affects always impressed me more so than even the beginning because with that a sword appears in front of you sticking out of the ground as if it's just landed like yeah. a javelin 
and the screen's ripped. Yeah. And when you're watching that that whole thing for like the, the 15 or 20 minutes or so that the, the entire film lasts, you're sat there watching a cinema screen. There's no rips, there's no tears. It's just a screen. And then all of a sudden, someone throws a sword towards it and the sword lands in the, in the theatre and the screen's ripped. Yeah. And I still don't know how they do it. No. And I'm sure we never understand. will now. Well, no, now. Um, so, you know, it, it, that also just completely fascinates me. It wasn't just that the film itself was good, which always helps yeah. with these kind of things. Um, but that the effects worked so well and so seamless. And the only show that I can think of that's, that's similar in a way that it kind of takes the, um, the, the live action and the screens and tries to combine them is Terminator 2. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the, even there's some even similar moments, like with the, the motorbike coming through the screen. Yeah, exactly the same. I, can't, I, I never figured out how they did that. Um, I mean, I, I did figure out how they made the 3D side pulling towards the end. Yeah. They just didn't repair the projection. Um, which is one thing that Cinema Geek always had over it, is that it was never in 3D, so you never had that worry. Um, but yeah, that's the only other show I can think of that did that. And so for a lot of people, um, you know, especially people that have never left Europe, for example, that's the first time they've probably seen a show like that. Um, and it was only the first time I'd seen it, because I didn't see Terminator 2 until much later on than that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's always felt magical to me it's always felt special and i i i do miss it i do miss it i think on on one hand it you know nothing like this can last forever no unless it's called muppet vision 3d um waka and, that, waka. <laughs> and that has outstayed its welcome in my opinion and i love the muppets um but it was able to then give us something brand new and admittedly, something that brand new didn't work properly. Yeah. And I do wonder if the plans changed to bring Cinema Jeep back in a reduced form, partly because of the issues of the experience with the Marvel show this year. Yeah. And maybe they're trying to iron out some of those kinks. Yeah, well, they've definitely said that it's, that it's going to be an improvement next year. I think they're going to expand it a little bit. Um, mm. from what I can work out. So, yeah, there's possibly... There is work that needs doing in there that can't be done with with what they were going to do with Cinemagique. Mm. Um, it, sadly, it has been replaced by, by another Christmas show. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, three different shows in the studios now, um, taking up two theatres and a, a stage show as well. Mm. Um People sure do like Christmas. Yeah, they really do. Um, Thankfully, I suppose. Uh, the other thing yeah. I was going to bring up about Cinema Sheik was was the director. Um, his name was Jerry Reese. Um, he was um, he came from uh, CalArts. He's he'd studied there. Um, mm. He hadn't he hasn't really directed anything big, but when you go back and look at, at what he's done, he's done a lot of um, shorts for Disney um, that have gone oh. into the park. So he did. Um, Cranium Command for okay, yeah. Epcot. 
Um, he did Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. Um, dinosaur. Well, everyone's got a bad mark on their name, yep. I suppose. He did Dinosaur. Yep. Uh, sounds dangerous. <laughs> um, okay. Rock and Roller Coaster. He, he was the show director for that. Oh. So he would have directed the um, the the footage in the studio. Yep. yep. Um, then he, he did. He actually did a TV special that he directed that I've actually watched um, for when they opened California Adventure. Oh. Um, which, if I remember rightly, let me have a look and make sure it is the same one. Yeah, it is. It's the one that had got um, Barry Boswick in. Um, that I've watched. It's on YouTube. You can go and, go and find it. But uh, yeah, Barry Boswick takes you on a, a tour around California Adventure. Um, uh, why? I'm not sure. Uh, whether it was an anniversary for Rocky Horror, I'm not sure. Maybe it was a but that's bit, got, bit of plug that's in got, for that. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with Disney. No, I know, but you never know. That could well be. Um, Barry Boswick's always a, a, always a bit of a weird actor because, you know, everyone knows him from Rocky Horror and then he kind of just, every now and again, appears in something and he was in, I want to say it's called Teen beach movie or something <laughs> yeah. but it's a it's a disney channel film yeah that's why i don't know what it's officially called because it's a disney channel film and i don't generally i'm not really the demographic for those um but i, had, I knew he was in that and i was like blimey like i know you've done rocky horror and i know you did a voice in phineas and ferb because they tried to do like a bit of a rocky horror reunion with that um and then that so, I mean, there is a slight Disney connection with him, but even so, he's more well-known for Rocky Horror. Yeah. Uh, but the one I, I wanted to bring up, and he, he wasn't director, he wasn't any, anything big on it, but he was actually uh, a member of the uh, production storyboards for, for Tron. Wow. Well, I love him. Um, <laughs> I liked him anyway, but even more so. Uh, I thought you was going to tell me then, when you said... You know, the most exciting bit was that he directed the uh, the Armageddon. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, Pre-show. <laughs> um, he he actually did work on the Brave Little Toaster as well. I've never understood that film because I was under the belief it wasn't a Disney film. No. But sometimes it's kind of referenced as a Disney film, and other times it's not. Hmm. And I mean, it's not an official. It's not an animated classic. Um, but yeah, I'm not, yeah, if someone could explain a little, Brave Little Toast to me, please, please let me know. Um, cause I've never understood who owns it and what the, the rules and regs were with that. Ah, there we go. I'm just looking at the trivia. It was produced by an art house distributor, but it was released in America after it went to Sundance through the Disney Channel. Right. So a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like what they did with um, Nomeo and Juliet. Yeah. Which is they just released it. Yeah. Didn't didn't produce it, didn't, you know, finance it, yeah. but, you know, bought the rights. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was originally in-house at Disney, and John Lasseter was going to direct it. Well, I've seen John Lasseter talk about it. Yeah. And talk about storyboards. Yeah. Um, that he'd done for it. So... Um, that that doesn't surprise me about it. And Disney lost it the first time they sacked John Lasseter. 
Yeah, I didn't realise he was uh, two for two. Yeah, okay. when when he decided he he wanted to do something different, they um they got rid of him, and that's when he set Pixar up. Mm. So the Brave Little Toaster was kind of the uh, the side project that came of came of that, um, wow. and then they ended up buying it back. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Don't say this show isn't educational. No, we it definitely are. Is. We definitely. We're more research-based, but we we tend to do the research on the fly. <laughs> yeah, normally because I've pushed you that set down some tangent. Yeah. Like just then. I mean, you know, fair play. I mean, this is why it works so well. I'll say something ridiculous, but you'll be there to uh, to catch me yeah. as I'm falling after saying it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you, you know, in, in closing about Cinema Sheet, was there anything else that you wanted to, to kind of add or say uh, well the, the one thing i do so, want to say is martin short if you're listening we'd love to have you on yeah we'd like to interview you about this yeah. and how you felt about it yeah um you know to me oh at this point i should I, I, just in case you've never seen it um we we just said some spoilers so if you didn't want it, the ride or the, or the show to be spoiled for you, you might have wanted to stop yeah. listening for the last 20-odd minutes. Um, but I think the only thing that really dated it, and this is true <laughs> of a lot exactly of things, uh, especially nowadays, was the, the mobile phone. Yeah. The plot device there. Yeah. Because, I mean, at the time, you know, it was quite a modern-looking phone. Yeah. But... It was featured just a little bit too much for them to kind of hide the fact. And I think going forward, I think a lot of film companies could learn that lesson. Now, I know why in a lot of films they don't do that. And that's because it's product placement. Yeah. But um, I think if they didn't show the close-up so much of, of what the phones were, it wouldn't date films as much as it can do so that was the only thing for me that kind of dated that film a little bit and it's a show they couldn't you know steven spielberg walkie talkie it or something um keep it a little bit more relevant um and also the other thing is that you know during its time there was only one time that they actually revised the film yeah and even then it was just a few clips yeah so um the bit when uh is it on the tight? Are they on the Titanic when he goes through the doors? He is, isn't yes. he? Yes. Um, so, you know, soon to the film Titanic, he's trying to open doors to find a way out. And, uh, you know, he'd open a door into a film clip. So, like, The Exodus was, a, you know, one of those where he opened a door and saw, um, you know, the little girl from The Exorcist, you know, her head spin round and then she puked towards him. Um, they replaced some of those clips in, in 2013 yeah. with some newer... Uh, Disney Pixar bits um, but otherwise you know it remained pretty much unchanged since when it first opened and the reason I say that is because the number of shows like that that for me don't have that repeatability every time I went to Disneyland Paris that was a must do yeah. every time and so I you know, I, I can't remember how many times I've I've seen that overall. I do it at least once a trip. So I'm pretty talking in the twenties or something over time. And I never got bored. No. 
while something as exciting and it is if you've never done it uh, as like lights motors action um i've never i haven't seen it in in probably about seven years we we went last year and we've only done it i think twice um we only did it last year because my little boy absolutely loves lightning mcqueen so yeah. we we were like oh we'll go and see that then because he's in it now the first time we saw it it was still herbie the love bug oh wow okay so you saw it quite a while ago yeah but i hadn't yeah. seen it since until until last year so. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, you know, that was a, that was another Disneyland Paris attraction that had made it over to America. Yeah. There's been a, a few, but not many. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, the thing is, you know, that's proper stunts. Yeah, and you know, it's exciting and things like that. But to me, I, I'd seen it a few times, and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I, f- I find know. running through it more exciting than watching the show. Yes, yeah, running for it for Run Disney was really good fun. Um, not quite as much as when I got to run on my beloved Rain of Fire set, no. but um, yeah, that that was more exciting to me than, than that. Um, and so, you know, to me at least, it had enormous repeatability. Yeah, and that I think is so important with these kind of shows, um, especially when they run for as long as they do. And like I said, like you know, you know, Muppets been an example. Love the Muppets. Don't really need to see that on every trip. No. I, I like the area where the Muppets is. Mm. I could quite happily go and sit in there and spend a couple of hours people watching in that bit. Um, and at, at night, it's it's beautiful. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to go and see it every time. Um, yeah. I certainly don't feel that it's missed from Disneyland, from California Adventure. Mm. Um that's that's for sure it, it definitely doesn't feel like a bit of the park is missing in fact i'd completely forgotten where it was until someone mentioned it the other day <laughs> and i mean film magic to an extent I, mean, I i actually do think that's got a bit of repeatability but my problem with that film is that that to me is very dated because the sequences in that film are all from the exact same time period yeah you know they're from about three or four years maybe five years uh in total you know that's all the the clips that they use or all the all the films that they use sequences from and we've now got a new generation which and and look it's not like the new generation doesn't watch or won't have seen aladdin beauty and the beast lion king little mermaid they are classics but they have their own classics they have their Tangled, they have their Frozen, they have their Princess and the Frog. Um, you know, why are they not updating that film? There's no reason why they couldn't, except, you know, obviously have to reanimate it and change bits. Yeah. But what I mean is, is that really they should do something. Yeah, they should do. And, and there are rumours that, that that change is coming, but I just, I find it a little bit ridiculous that they've then gone and put it in Paris before they've even done the work on it. And we didn't, I don't think we've really spoken about the Paris version no. on here, have we? No, not really. Because, um, oh yeah, because it was, it's only been open, what, about a month or so now? Yeah. Just Two over, months? I think we've, I think we recorded once, I think we recorded the, the video show. 
Yes. Um, since. Um, but yeah, we've not not really talked about it. So, I mean, let's talk about that for a bit, because Filimagy, when I first went to Disney World and I saw that um, back in 2007, um, I thought that was a show that translates well, because you could have those song sequences in another language and you, you're still able to understand the story of what's going on with Donald. Um, and would fit in really well with Disneyland Paris. And although, you know, it's a Magic Kingdom show in in Orlando, and also California, isn't it? It's in the Magic... Yeah. It's in Fantasyland there as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, you know, but I could see it fitting really well in with the studios. Yeah. I thought it'd be a really good fit in there, actually. Yeah. Uh, more so than just Disneyland Park. Um, but nothing happened with it. It was rumoured for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Captain EO's been closed for a good number of years now. Four years yeah, plus, must, maybe? must be, because the last time I saw Captain EO wasn't Paris. It was Walt Disney World. So that would have been 2014. So, yeah. yeah. So it is a, I think most of them got rid of it at the same time. Yeah, it was 2012 or 2013, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I always thought it'd be a good fit for, for them, but it, it never happened. Captain EO closed and then they used that theatre, um, for various things normally to promote upcoming films. And the last time they changed it was for Ant-Man. Yeah. And I said that correctly, not Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man. That's how far behind it had been. I mean, it was, it was hardly ever open. Yeah. Was and, it? And it, this is know. something I, I will say over and over again, that part of the park is wasted massively oh it is neglected like you would not believe everything behind space mountain except for obviously star tours is just a waste yeah and it's a lot of land yeah as well it's that's a big footprint of stuff that nothing's going on um they're doing something to what was pizza planet we know that it's becoming a some kind of meeting area yeah, it's not going to be a public no. thing. It's going to be for like private or corporate. Um, but you know that sat there. You know that closed about four years ago. Yeah, it must be. Has been hidden ever since. Um, but that that building, that's the Discoveryland Theatre, and what's next to it, just, just nothing happening with them. Just no. just so bizarre. Um, so I was pleased that they said they were putting in Philemagic, uh, but I didn't realise uh, I hadn't really thought about it really that the, the theatre wasn't the same size which meant the, the screens weren't the same size and so they've had to really you know work their magic to even get it to work but that isn't enough of a reason to put it in there like you for me do it properly or don't bother yeah exactly because it's just been plonked in All they've, really what they've done is gone this theatre can play 3D films. Filimagic's a 3D film. Let's put that in there. Yeah. Let's not worry about the effects. Just put the film in there. Um, and so, people that have never done the original versions think it's pretty good. Yeah. But anyone that's done the real version, the original version, know what knows. Be included. Yeah, <laughs> knows it's just a poor imitation. Um, 
And so it's really, really frustrating, I think, um, at a time when, you know, they're doing a lot of things right at Disneyland Paris and they're starting to, you know, make, you know, go in the right direction with a lot of things. This feels like a massive misstep for me. Yeah, no, it does for me as well. And and at times, uh, I think it's, they're trying to fill these gaps that we know are there because of what's come before. Mm. But it also feels like they're doing it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. That they feel they have to fill those spaces because they're trying to improve the park. They don't want people going to the park and going, oh, there's, there's an empty theatre here. I'm wasting my money because I'm not getting the full experience but I think that they would be better off just just leaving it empty and doing the yeah. work to, to actually make it work properly what's on as well is that I get I get why they, they don't put Captain EO back in there you know that had been and gone and the reason it was brought back was because, you know, Michael Jackson had, you know, passed away. And I completely get that as a tribute. And when it, when they first changed it back, it was quite popular again. It yeah. was quite busy around there. Um, but I don't know why they didn't even just put back in Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Yeah, I know. And, and that was popular as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, that going back to films and repeatability and longevity and stuff like that, that's a film I think I saw twice. I was never that bothered by it, um, but that was me personally. But it always seemed to be quite popular. And let's be honest, it can't cost that much to staff that. No, you don't need that many members of staff in that theatre. You can probably get away with about four or five people. You know, one at the front to make sure people get glasses. The rest inside in case any emergencies. Yeah. It's pretty much it. Um, and rather that that's another attraction that's taking people away from other things that's reducing the queue that's giving you value for money um just sticking that in there and doing a half-hearted version of it i just don't think it's good enough unless unless they did this almost like a test yeah as a trial run to see if it was popular if they should bother with it yeah and maybe put it somewhere else but don't know where else they could put it in the park at the moment. No, there's, there really is no... There's no room for expansion in the main park other no. than, than where they've put it. Um, well, that's it, because, I mean, you know, if they... Um, if they did way... If they put it where they put it in, you know, the Magic Kingdom or, or Disneyland you'd be putting it in Fantasyland, which means you'd have to take out... There's no room to expand there, so you have to take out an attraction. Yeah. Now, I know what you would take out, if you could, um, which is far too big, and is not a building, so it doesn't count. And how dare you try and do that besmirch Alice's Curious Labyrinth, um, you heathen. But, um, you know, the obvious ones, really, to me, would be something like Pinocchio... Or Snow White's uh, scary adventure. If if we can't take out Alice because it's not a building, can we take out the Meet Mickey building? <sighs> I mean, I think I think the Meet Mickey building is good 
purely because it gives you a good place to meet Mickey Mouse. Um, I don't think it's big enough to... I don't think the land is big enough to put in something like Philemagic, really. You might be able to just about get away but with can't it. They be do, a bit of a squeeze. Can't they just build over the top of the train? What, you mean like Tron or something? Well, the the train is it goes behind it, doesn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah, I see Can't what you're we do something like they did with, like, Haunted Mansion or Pirates and put mm. it over the top so the show building is behind it? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because there's got to okay. be land there. Yeah, there is. There, there is definitely land there because we, we ran through it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, we, we definitely know there is. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, to me, I think you want to have something like Meet Mickey Mouse because, because of the climate and, and the weather you can get in Paris, it does give you one and the most popular, arguably the most popular character, meet and greet, um, in any of the parks. Yeah. It gives you a permanent home. And so, you know, unless she was going to get rid of Princess Pavilion to put Mickey Mouse in there, but then again, I think it's good that you got Princess Pavilion. Yeah, so do I. I think that caters to both audiences because, and I know this sounds incredibly sexist, and I know this isn't always the case. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, you know, princesses generally that's who the girls want to meet more than mickey mouse and the boys generally want to meet mickey mouse more than the princesses there's crossover there are people who want to meet both there are people who want to meet the other nothing wrong with any of that at all i'm just talking you know the usuals um but so i think you do need to have those indoor places to to allow that um i mean what do they have was it mickey's toontown fair yeah they used to have in, in Disney World. And that was kind of like tense, wasn't it? And they've still got it at Disneyland. Disneyland, they, okay. you, you go and meet him in his house. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, that's good. In fact, you meet all of the, the Fab Five are in their their own houses. Except yes. I think it's only four. I think it's I think Pluto's missing. Um, okay. And he's got like his dog house in the back garden of Mickey's house. Um but I still think he wanders around in there. Um, but yeah, mm. the other four you can meet in their own houses. So Donald's got like a boat um, okay. that he's crashed. <laughs> so his boat sits on like top of a mountain type thing. <laughs> um, and then Goofy's got his house and then he's got her house. I always, I, I, I was a bit jealous of that. Yeah. Of like the the Mickey and Minnie house you used to get at Magic Kingdom. So I've never been to Disneyland, so I can't vouch for how great that sounds. Yeah. Um, but after seeing Mickey's Toontown, and it's only a little, or was a little part of of their, you know, kind of extension to Fantasyland. It was considered a, a little land, but yeah. it, you know, arguably. Um, but I thought, what a great addition they would be. Um, and yeah, space a little bit of a premium around there. You'd have to get rid of um, some of the parade route. Yeah, that's, um, that's the issue is the, the land yeah. that they've got room for expanding in that corner next to Small World um, mm. is is the parade route and the and the cut through, which I still find strange anyway. Mm. That you can, oh, yeah. you can cut through from Fantasyland into Discoveryland. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. No, no, I never understood the logic with that one either. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless they did something like that, it's, it's so tough. Yeah. Or, I mean, Toad Hall. Yeah. That's quite a, you know, that's quite a footprint, as is uh, the marionette. Yeah. Um, but then that takes away two restaurants and, you know. And then you've got that, you've got that area as well when you come past Small World with the restaurants. You've got the, the Italian restaurant, haven't you? And the, yeah, the ice so you cream could get, place. so you could get rid of that very easily, yeah. in my opinion. They're never, hardly ever open. No. Never ever busy. Um, yeah, let's, let's, um, let's move Mickey Mouse over there. Yeah. Cray's only, Cray's house. Yeah. You can meet him in his house, um, and then you can use that building there for it, the purpose you want. There you go. Everyone's happy. I keep Palace. Yeah. You get your, your building place and meet Mickey Mouse, and we get a new Mickey meet and greet the other side. Yeah. Oh, discover the LP, putting Disneyland Paris to rights yeah. since 2018. <laughs> um, <laughs> was, there, um, was there anything else that you, you wanted to... Uh, bring up on this episode. Well, I just I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Destination D, the the D twenty three event that's been on this weekend, and it's still still going. Um, where they've made some announcements that aren't actually kind of affecting Disneyland Paris, but there's stuff that's going from Disneyland Paris and stuff that could be coming to Disneyland Paris. Um, so the first one I'll bring up is we've talked about it before is the 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 Ratatouille ride. Is going in in Epcot in in France, um, and and that was confirmed. They've actually confirmed the name. Um, it's called Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Out there. Wow! Um, How long did the committee sit around <laughs> bringing yeah. thinking up that title? Yeah, so they they've kind of just shortened what we we got in Paris, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's been confirmed, and they've also confirmed there's going to be a new Beauty and the Beast show going in in Epcot as well. Um, in obviously in, in the France bit. And I I always wonder why Disneyland Paris hasn't got more beauty in the beast in it. Yeah, it's it's very odd that there's been what, off the top of my head, four Disney films that have been set in France. Yeah. And they're not represented well at all. No. So I'm thinking uh, Hunchback yeah. Um, obviously, Beauty and the Beast, Ratatouille, uh, Aristocats. Yeah. Um, could even be more, but they're the ones that come to mind. Um, and yeah, obviously, Ratatouille has its area in the studio, so that's you know box ticked. Yeah. But you you don't really get much of the others at all. You know, you get the odd. You know, Marie often does a meet and greet. Um, you used to get some of the hunchback characters around, but you don't yeah. really see them very often nowadays. No. Um, and yeah, Belle, I suppose. But again, yeah. that's oh, and you you get the odd guest on as well, don't you? But yeah, um, really, considering that's that, that's the home park, there should be something. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's another thing we have to fit in somewhere now. <laughs> It was always talk, wasn't it? I mean, we've talked about that the the map that you can still see in uh, in, ta- in the town hall, yeah, uh, city hall, uh, the, just behind a desk, which is you know one of the original 
uh, Euro Disney uh, maps. Uh, and I can't remember, who was it that was sharing their picture with us the other day of their own map? Yeah, I can't. Let's have well, a it was, I mean, it was about a month ago. Yeah, so that's, it was. It's, that's why it's immediately springing to mind. But, um, you know, on that map, you can see there was uh, an image of Beauty and the Beast on that map, um, which, you know, like the belief was that was earmarking that particular area as being um, a building for Beauty and the Beast yeah. to have an attraction or a show. Um, and it never happened. That was obviously around the time when it was, you know, financial trouble. So those things never really happened. But you would think now that they're looking at, you know, doing new things, they're in a better position and Disney own them, that those kind of things might, you know, come back to yeah. the table. But just, yeah, just odd. My wonder is now that obviously they're, they're setting up this, this lake in the studios and and this is something that we can talk a little bit about now as well with the the frozen land and i do wonder whether that that lake could become home to to different princesses lands it would it would work quite well that they could then base them on kind of different things and they they've said that they're going to be adding booths like they do at epcot could well could we well see little booths from different countries for, for different princesses. I'm, I'm not sure that that's just kind of my, my thought is that's a possibility that we may start seeing some of that. Cause there is a lot of land around that lake that won't be being used straight away. So what do you mean? Like meet and greets or meet and greets, even, even rides being added. You could, you could kind of link Ratatouille through the back into like beauty and the beast. Because yeah. it is, it's meant to be the same country. You could kind of fade it in as different time periods, I suppose. But um, it would work if you put Beauty and the Beast right behind Ratatouille and then kind of different little lands. We're obviously going to have Arendelle. I'm assuming they're going to tie it to Norway like they have at Epcot. Mm. Um, whether that's something they're looking at. Because I'm, I'm not sure where else they can go with that lake. Otherwise, it'll become a bit... Higgledy-piggledy of different projects, I suppose. Um, and mm. I know that's kind of what Epcot is anyway. But it just makes me think that maybe that's something they could do. As they've said, that Star Wars and, and Marvel on one side of the park and then the back being more female-driven, I suppose. I'll tell you what, Disneyland Paris, here's something for free. right? You can have this for free from me. You don't call that, you know, at the moment we all refer to it as frozen land, which sounds terrible because that is just the Antarctic, really, when you think about it. Um, but whatever they're going to call it. But instead of that, instead of like calling it frozen land or Arendelle or whatever you're going to do, call it Tale as Old as Time. And then you can do whatever you want in there in terms of, like, princesses, because most of those princess stories happen from an earlier time period, including Frozen. But, you know, Beauty and the Beast, set in the past. Snow White, set in the past. Uh, Little Mermaid, set in the past. Brave, yeah. set in the past. Tangled, you know, definitely is. There you go. So, you know, you've got the... That would give you the carte blanche to be able to go, we can stick all this stuff in there. With no, no one's going to question it. No one's going to go, well, that doesn't fit in. 
Like if it's just Arendelle or it was just Frozen Land, then you couldn't stick other things in there. But if you just had it as more generic, and the, and the thing is, Frozen would still be the Yanker. I'm not talking about building all these different castles or anything like that, but, you know, that is your main focus point. As you walk into that land, that is what you're looking over the lake directly at is the castle, the Arendelle Castle. But that doesn't stop you doing stuff around the sites. No. And surely they'd want to be, uh, 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 be our guest restaurant. Yeah, that that really wouldn't surprise me if we don't if we don't get one. Yeah, even more so. So yeah, so have that. So rather than just call it like Arendelle or Frozen Land or whatever, I'm saying more generic like Tell as old as time, and then you can do whatever you want with all the princesses. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely think that that is possibly the way they're going to go. Mm. Is that it'll be it'll be that that mix of different princesses around the around the lake. And to be honest, I think that's more exciting because when you have a whole land, like Star Wars is a franchise. Yeah, it's a series of films which are now becoming a TV series. Um, obviously it's been cartoons, but you know, we're getting live action TV series and everything like that. So you can, you don't have to like star Wars, but there's normally something within star Wars that you might like Marvel. Same thing. Don't like Spider-Man. Not a problem. Got an Avengers coaster going in or an Iron Man coaster going in. You'll find something that will work for you or guardians. If they, they still haven't confirmed it, but it's going to be a matter of time. Um, with those things, there are things around there for you to do. If you don't like Frozen, that's one film. That whole land would be di- d- devoted to just one film, or two films, really, I suppose, when the second one comes out. But the the point is, is that if you don't like Frozen, you're not going to want to spend much time in there. No. So if you do pad it out with other Disney princesses, that makes it accessible for all, surely. Yeah, and, and just on that note, we, as I said, there was a little bit more to talk about Frozen with the the new version of the um, the plans, um, mm. the concept art that it looks like um, Frozen Land is is going to be slightly bigger than a, uh, that we originally thought, um, and definitely looks like there's two rides included from what we could see. There definitely mm. seem to be two show buildings, um, one with the mountain. And one with the castle. Um, we've got to assume the castle one's going to be the uh, the ride that's at Epcot. Just a better version of it. Yeah, I wonder if they'll... Because I don't need to do it as a boat ride, do I? No. So I reckon... I wonder if they'll just do it as a standard kind of dark ride. Yeah, I think they'll go with the sled. Not, yeah, not standard dark ride. But what I mean is, is that using a track rather than yeah. uh, like a water coaster that they've got there which is only there because that's what the original ride was wasn't it um and also star wars land looked expanded as well it did yeah and i think we can definitely now tell that there we will be getting the two rides Mm. from from looking at that which have have both been confirmed today they've they have their names um so the first one the the millennium falcon ride i believe was smugglers Smugglers Revenge Run Yeah something like that Yeah um, So that's been confirmed And 
Um, I believe the the second attraction is the the rise of the resistance, mm-hmm. um, which is going to drop you in the battle between the first order and and the resistance, um, and has confirmed that Kylo Ren will be making an appearance in in that that ride or attraction. However, they're they're going to play it. Um, well, as long as he doesn't stand up and answer his mobile phone at the beginning of it, we'll be all right. Or take his shirt uh, off. Or <laughs> do that, or, or his mask off for some yeah. people. Um, um, I, I'm not one of those people. I, I, I've got no problem with how Kylo Ren actually looks underneath the mask. No, no. problem at all. Um, but no, I mean, it, I mean, they had little videos. They both look really exciting. If you like Star Wars, they look very exciting. Uh, I actually uh, mentioned uh, I was talking about it with uh, my wife. And I said, like, you know, after seeing this, I want to go next year. But I also know that it's going to be absolute chaos next year. Yeah. And so I won't be. Um, but, yeah, the anticipation is definitely high again for these these attractions. Yeah. And with the confirmation that John Williams has written a, a completely new score mm. um, for the area. Um, I, don't, I said to you earlier, Nick, that I don't care how long I have to wait for a the attractions now, I could quite happily just sit there and listen to, to what he's written. Um, yes. So, so yeah, definitely looking forward to that and looking forward to, to Paris getting the the same attention. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. I just wish it would hurry up. Yeah. Um, they're not starting now until, uh, I think, they say the end of next year? Yes, because they've said that, obviously... Rock and Roller Coaster is going down, and I'll talk about that again a, a little bit afterwards. Um, that's going to be going down fairly soon. I think it's disappeared off off the park maps now for next year. Yes, yes, uh, it has. As yeah. has Armageddon. Woohoo! <laughs> um, so we're expecting those those attractions to go down fairly fairly soon, um, and and that Marvel Land begin its expansion um but don't worry listeners because uh next month's episode will be uh, an armageddon tribute special um so uh you know we will talk just as lovingly about the armageddon attraction and as long um as we have this episode about cinemagic it will be like room 101 though because <laughs> that's exactly where it's going um uh, but yeah, that that seems to be happening soon. So I think once they're done, I think they'll probably start on the on the Star Wars land. Yeah, um, and tying into to talking about Marvel, they there was some artwork come out this week of the Spider-Man attraction for California Adventure, um, which Disneyland Paris was also rumored to be getting. Um, so that that looks interesting. It looks like Spider-Man is getting his own building. It's still going to be Avengers-themed, but there'll be lots of spider logos and, and things all over that. So I think we've got to assume that's what's going in Armageddon. Mm. Uh, I don't think yeah. there can be any doubt that the, the building even looked the same. So whether it was actually concept art for, for Paris as well, I don't know, but it definitely did look very, very similar. You've got to... You know, if you've got the the Marvel world of characters to use, which obviously they don't have in, in Disney World, they do in Disneyland and they do in, in Paris, you would be 
absolutely foolish not to do Spider-Man because everybody loves Spider-Man. And to make it um, accessible for everyone as well, which yeah. is what they seem to be doing with this, this attraction, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no interest in that concept ride. Uh, they, they had planned originally yeah. when you were going to be swinging uh, around around the uh, the attraction. I no, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Is it rumored to be a shooting? Yeah, the rumor is that affair? you will you will get your own web shooters. Um, See, I'd quite you know in in Paris, you know, Disneyland's a bit different because they have they have the attraction there. But I'd be quite happy for something along the lines of Toy Story Midway Mania, and that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't want little carnival games, but, you know, if you kind of went around and the Green Goblin was doing something, so you had to, you know, try and stop him, and then you'd drive around a little bit more, and Sandman was doing the same thing, I'd be all for that. Yeah. All for that. Yeah, definitely, and I'm looking forward to seeing what this brings. I believe it starts, in fact, they've started building it in in California. Um, Mm. It's going, that's going in the old... Uh, it's tough to be a bug theatre at, at California right. Adventure so that building already exists so mm. they're literally they're just gutting it and it's it's going to go inside that theatre um, so that we should start to see some of that appear fairly soon I would mm. imagine so we'll get some kind of idea of what what it is um, fairly shortly so looking forward to seeing seeing what comes from that and uh, I suppose another bit of news which doesn't have anything to do with Destination D, but I think um, we do need to call out, is the fact that they have now uh, given us a date, uh, which should be quite reliable, yeah. for the return of Phantom Manor. Yep, 16th of February, it will be reopening. And I don't know whether that, the problems they had with, with Phantom Manor is the reason why we've got the, the Mickey's 90th birthday AP event in December. Um, mm. I think there may have been some issues stemming from the fact that we were told that it was meant to be a Phantom Manor party before the end of this year. So I do, yeah, you I could do be, think that could, be, could right. be the problem. And also, uh, 16th of February, 16 has a 6 in it. <laughs> 666, the number of the beast. I've mentioned six on, on two other occasions. That's the third one. Yeah. So yeah. draw your own conclusions. I'm just I'm just saying there's some strange work going on. And at on the moment. that note, the work of the devil, Disneyland Paris have started selling Mickey shaped waffles. Have they really? Yes, as of today. Oh, wow. Well, I suppose it's his birthday. Yep. What better way to start? Yep, so for, for €4.99, you can now get your Mickey-shaped waffle from uh, from the Walt Disney Studios. So what are they... Um, what do the Mickey waffles come with in Paris? Um, just sugar by the look of the picture. No syrup or, or anything. It just seems to be the, the Mickey-shaped waffle with some powdered sugar over it. Hmm. I reckon that could be expanded... Yeah, I would imagine bit so. of fruit on it or something. Being sold at the same places that they were selling the, the Marvel food that we we tested earlier in the year. Oh, so that the the little catering yeah. type vans. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. 
Yeah. True story, I've got a Mickey uh, shaped waffle maker. Um, it does it play music? No, that's a toaster. We have a toaster, and when it pops, when the toast is done, it plays um, a very weird sounding. <laughs> but it's it's a very weird. I can't describe what what you know how the sound is made, but it's. I suppose like how a Casio, Casio watch probably would have done it in the 80s or something. Yeah. Very odd sounding. And it burns Mickey's face into the toast as well. Um, we have never used the Mickey Waffle Maker because I bought it for uh, my wife for Christmas years ago. Uh, only to find she doesn't like waffles, bizarrely. I mean, he doesn't like waffles. I mean, very... I mean. Uh, so it's sitting there on news. So, uh, I mean, if anyone's serious and wants to buy it off me, uh, you can send us some... Uh, offers to uh, discover DLP pod at uh, gmail.com. Uh, mark them for the attention of the waffle maker owner. Um, but it's good. I mean, I suppose, you know, one thing that people have complained about over the years, especially after going to other parks, is the lack of food items like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they've definitely especially made shape. Effort, People yeah. love shapes. Yeah, they do. They, they've definitely made an effort this year with the with the different seasons and stuff. Obviously, the, as we said, the mm. Marvel Marvel stuff. There was a great range of of different food. Um, oh yeah, huge. Yeah. So, so definitely they're they're making a step up, and obviously theming theming food now to to Mickey as part of the the celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, was there anything else, or, or is that a wrap for I this think, month? I think that's a wrap, I think. Um, as as appropriate as a wrap is on the end of a cinema-themed episode. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Accidental partridge. Yep. Fine. Well, in that case, um, that's it for, for November. Um, we will see you next month for, I suppose we better do a bit of a Christmas themed Yeah, I think episode. so. I think we can talk. By then we will be able to have watched the Christmas stuff and, yep. and give you our thoughts on it for this year. Yep. So there you go. So uh, thank you for listening. Oh, actually, before we go, um, one thing uh, that really helps us is reviews. So if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, if you if you listen to us on iTunes or via Apple Podcasts, just giving us a quick review and some stars. People always ask for five stars. Five stars would be great, but give us what you feel we're worth, um, as long as it's more than one. Thank you. Um, but please do that. And whatever podcast app you use, if you can review us, please do. It costs you nothing and it helps us get noticed in the charts. So it's just a very small thing. It doesn't take too much time, uh, but will make a, a difference to us. So uh, appreciate it if you can. Um, and also please uh, feel free to reach out to us because, um, you know, this show works best when uh, people give us show topics or, or ideas or things to talk about. So don't be afraid to, uh, reach us on Facebook or on Twitter um, or the email address and um, yeah, just, just uh, give us some suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love having interaction with our, our listeners. We've, we've got a great core of, of listeners over at, 
does After Dark and Universal After Dark, and we love hearing from our listeners from all other shows across the network. Yeah, and we've we've started to get some the last month or two from for this show as well. So yeah. we always knew that this was going to be um, a smaller audience, although admittedly bigger than. Uh, you know, it's already bigger than we <laughs> had expenses to be yeah. initially, so that's great. Um, but yeah, so thank you for your interactions thus far, but please keep them going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so after I said we was wrapping up, about five minutes ago, we are now wrapping up. Yeah. So um, we'll see you next month. See you later, guys. <laughs> is part of the After Dark Podcast.